morning, everybody. I got a Halloween card that I want to share with you to start out. Because we all need a little support this Halloween. And this one seems to say it all. So you've got a lady with a broom saying, I'm always flying off the handle. Uh, Frankenstein saying, I don't know who I am. Uh, Ghost saying, I feel invisible. Dracula saying, my life sucks. And then a mummy saying, I'm wound too tight. <laughs> and I think we're all feeling that need for a support group as we have this decline into negativity. And so today, I want to look at something Jesus teaches us from the Sermon on the Mount. So if you've read these chapters in Matthew 5, 6, 7, uh, Jesus gives a list starting out by saying, you have heard it was said, do, 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 but I tell you, do, do, do. So in that series, he gives this very good one. He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And everybody probably nodded and was like, yes, that is right. And Jesus then said, but I say to you, love your enemy and pray for them. So here Jesus is addressing the negativity bias that lives within us humans. A part of our human nature is that negative stuff is sticky and it sticks to us. Negative stuff cuts deeper. Negative stuff stays with us longer. And so, like this need for the support group, you get in this negative place, it's hard to get out of that place, it's hard to rebound. And Jesus is telling us, hey, you know, there's a different way. Human nature is like this, but there's something you can live in, in God's kingdom, as a part of this, as being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, that you can live into. So when you hear Jesus say, oh, you've heard that it says, love your neighbor, we're all like, yeah, 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 everybody loves their neighbor. Easy. We don't even think about that. And then when he says, well, you've heard it was said, hate your enemy. <laughs> and they're like, yes, you just grab onto that. You're like, yes, we like hating people. We are against things. And it feels good to be mad and angry. And then Jesus says, no. I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for them. Well, to help explain this phenomenon of how humans are wired toward the negative, I've got a little video from a professor at the University of California explaining this negativity bias. So take a look and consider the negativity bias. Okay, so you got a new sweater. It looks great, and you're getting tons of compliments. But then, just one person says something snarky about it. And even though you got all that praise, you can't help but stew over the negative comment. Why is that? Why does our mind seem to dwell on the negative? my research focuses on how people tend to get stuck in particular ways of thinking and what enables them to get unstuck. Allison Ledgerwood is a psychology professor at UC Davis. I get to study how humans think and how we could maybe think better. We all know the expression about seeing a glass is half full or half empty. It isn't just what you see, but how you see it. And the way you describe that glass to people can really change how they feel about it. 
Allison wanted to know what happens when you try to switch your way of thinking from the positive frame to the negative frame, or vice versa. Her research team brought two groups of people into the lab and told them about a new surgical procedure. Group one was told that the procedure has a 70% success rate. For group two, they framed it as a 30% failure rate. It's the same exact procedure, and they're giving you the exact same information, but one doctor is focusing on the part of the glass that's full, and the other doctor is focusing on the part of the glass that's empty. So, no surprise, people like the procedure when it's described in positive terms, and they don't like it when you focus on the failure rate. But then, the researchers pointed it out to the first group that you could also think of the procedure as failing 30% of the time. Suddenly, people didn't like it anymore. And when they tried a similar thing with group two, pointing out that the procedure had a 70% success rate, people didn't change their mind. And over and over again in studies like that, we find that people seem to get stuck in the negative way of thinking about it. And it's hard for them to flip and focus on the positive. So once you frame something negatively, it really sticks. What I really take away from this research from my own life is that it's difficult to see the upside and that it takes work, literally, that we have to put effort into looking at the bright side of things, that we can't assume that our mind is just going to do that automatically, and that it's very easy to just keep tilting back towards the negatives. Hmm. Can you relate to that stickiness of negativity? It's fascinating, right? You tell people, oh, this is a 70% success rate, and you're excited and happy. But then when you say, oh, but there is a 30% failure rate, now you're negative, and you can't switch back to the positive. It's hard to get out of negative. And what's fascinating is that might be the beginning point, the entry for us to start being negative, but then we take the next step of looking for an enemy looking for someone to blame and somebody to be against. So there's this inordinate pull of the negative on us. And like she said, we need to do some work to undo that. And in fact, Jesus is going to invite us to even more than just doing some work. So this negativity bias, we see this right now, of course, in politics, right? You aren't voting for somebody. Nobody votes for somebody. You only vote against somebody, right? That's all the commercials, right? They're just, this is the bad, trying to get you to think negative, and then you get stuck in the negative, so you vote against. Maybe you see this in the COVID restrictions, like Halloween. No bouncy house for you. And you just get in this negative place of, oh, this is terrible, and this is actually directed at me personally, and I am now angry and looking for someone to blame. You know, can I blame the government? Can I blame my pastor? Yes, you can. <laughs> but we also see this negativity bias in our everyday life. Just a normal part of human nature is that we might even think we are positive people, but then when we walk into a room with a group of people, we just notice the negative. We point it out. We talk about it. We want you to know that we see it. And instead of being loving, we start focusing on the negative and become discouraging. So Jesus invites us to not hate our enemy. 
to not let this negativity bias slide toward having enemies. And here's what Jesus said from Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He, God, causes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even those dirty tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? So Jesus is inviting us not to just work hard and do better and think differently. Jesus is inviting us to be children of God. You know, human nature is to hate enemies. And we like it. We enjoy it. It feels good. But here Jesus says, you don't have to do that. You can be children of God and participate in God's nature. Because God is love. And because God is love, God does loving things. God, in his nature, lets the sun rise on the good people and the bad people. God sends rain and blessing on the evil and the good. God just gives his love. He blesses. And we have the opportunity as children of God to do the same thing. We have the opportunity within us to love instead of hate. And the reason we should do this so that we may be children of God. We want to be children of God. You know, Alison Ledgerwood said in her video, you know, we can all undo negative, negativity bias thinking in ourselves. You know, through some work and some effort, we can undo some of the negativity that's in our human nature. But Jesus is asking us to do something even more than just change our thinking. He's saying, change your identity. That, oh, I am a child of God. I have these resources from heaven. I can live this way. I don't have to live that way. I don't have to hate. I'm freed from it. So when you have your enemy who's complaining, criticizing, putting down, speaking condescendingly, just being generally angry, you don't have to be like them. You, in fact, can love. You know, your enemies, they might be mean and hateful and full of vitriol. And you don't have to be. Because you are a child of God. You are loved by God. So that changes everything about your enemy. Your enemy no longer is threatening you because your enemy can't take away this identity of belonging to God. Well, just a few months ago in March, when we started our stay-at-home activities... There was a song that was released, um, The Blessing, and Charlie sang it in Spanish just at the beginning of the service, and it was written by these two people, Carrie Job and Cody Carnes, and they put this song together, and then it became a pandemic phenomenon. And it's a fairly simple song. It's simply Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24, 24 through 26, 
the blessing that God instructed the priests of Israel to speak over the people. So here's the words from Numbers chapter 20, or chapter 6. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, the priests, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And in doing this, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So these words became this song and it immediately took hold of the whole world. It became a pandemic phenomenon because all of the children of God, our brothers and sisters around the world, grabbed onto this song and received encouragement from it to receive God's blessing. But what I especially like about this song is that it's not just a me-receive focus, but it actually is a outward you focus. So it's a looking outward to bless others. And so in this song, we hear these words of, may the Lord bless you. It's a putting that out. And then the pandemic phenomenon that it is, so many churches around the world have recorded this song in a whole bunch of languages. And if I have any encouragement to you, it's to go on like YouTube and look up the blessing and just listen to these different versions of this song being sung in a variety of languages by all the children of God around the world. And let that fill you to then be a blessing yourself. We are going to sing this song after communion ourselves, but first, I simply want to invite you to watch one church singing this song in a lot of different languages. And for you to see all those faces and say, brothers and sisters, family of God, and to receive them singing over you, and for you to also then be able to begin saying, bless you to others. All right, let's take a look.
that's encouraging to see those faces and hear those many languages reminding us of the truth.